Hello and welcome to The Real Film Podcast with me, Corey. And me, Phil. Hello. Hello, Phil. Uh, it's been a while since we've uh, done a recording, but we're glad to be back. Well, uh, no. we do it all this, every week. Things got in the way. Yeah, you moved, you got a new job. I went on holiday. That's my excuse. I just, so I think out of everything, I win there. Yeah, I was going to say, I like my new job, but uh, it's not... Where did you go in the end? Lisbon. Porto and Lisbon, and you know we may not be a travel podcast, but for anyone out there, Porto is one <laughs> of the best cities I've ever been to. So please go. Um, like I said in the last podcast, this is sort of a companion piece to the essential guides that we do on our website, realreviewing.com. Uh, and it is of the films of Christopher Nolan. Um, so Phil, why don't you give us a rundown of what happened in the last podcast, what's gone through, what's out? Sure. So just as a reminder for anyone that doesn't know how our tournament works, we kind of stole the uh, stole the structure of how March Madness in uh, that American sport, <laughs> uh, what is it, basketball? Basketball, um, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. We stole the structure of their March Madness uh, and applied it to filmmaking. So we took, in this instance, we took eight of Nolan's films, what we considered his eight best. Um, We, through our own consensus and sort of a general rating, uh, ranked them one to eight. And then you seed one versus eight, two versus seven, and so forth. uh, And you kind of get some really interesting matchups. So... We got four matchups of The Dark Knight versus Tenet. We had Inception versus Dunkirk, Interstellar versus Batman Begins, and then The Prestige versus Memento. And that last one hurt a little bit. It was the most difficult one, I think, out of all of them. And also, it's a shame that you feel like you have to kick out one of his sort of uh, more independent um, films, earlier films, so early, because they are both so good. Um, but it did lead to our new matchups, which are the Dark Knight versus the Prestige and then Inception versus Interstellar. Um, <laughs> I did. So the way that the March Madness worked, it meant that's how the matchups went. I very nearly switched them because I felt like Inception versus Interstellar was a bit of a it's, it's like sci fi versus sci fi. And I was like, maybe I'll yeah. make for more interesting matchups. But then I'm just picking and choosing. And then at that point, you know, we might as well just have chosen the best matchups for this, which defeats the whole point in this. So yeah, yeah that's true. Those are our those are our matchups. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Do you think you're ready to kill yourself, or do you need a bit more time? Um, I tell you what, the last episode when um, when we did Memento versus Prestige, that was a bit of a killer because <laughs> it. Like, if you, I mean, if you listen to it back, I think it's weird in the other ones, you can always tell, kind of tell where we're going. But in that one, I think it was kind of tough and it was tough the entire, entire way out. And sometimes these things come down to like a knee jerk reaction and sometimes you regret it afterwards. Um, but uh, no, these are pretty healthy looking matchups. Uh, no, no ragrets, you know? <laughs> ragrets? No ragrets. Is that um, a reference to something or am I just missing? No, I feel like it's not even barely even a reference. It's just someone I remember seeing a picture of someone got a tattoo all across their chest that said "No regrets," but it was spelled "Ragrets." 
Never regrets. You just made me. Th- I don't know why, but it made me think of Rugrats. No Rugrats. Well, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing at all. Maybe I should get that tattooed on my chest. What? No Rugrats. To be fair, <laughs> you yeah. would be a terrible parent. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fair. I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. um, you, 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 you would, you would give a kid a vape easy, like, like a two-year-old child. You would, you oh, yeah, like, well, your own, if they want it. Your own, yeah. Well, it's like your son would be like grabbing up at you, like hands grabbing up while you vape. You know, bro, you got an inferior. Yeah, thick, yeah. bro. Okay. So, which what, what match are we going for first? So we go in. Oh, uh, no, this is prestige. That's how it works. This is it's March okay, Madness, okay. baby. There's okay. a structure here. Dark Knight versus Prestige, which I hate. This is a terrible... Yeah, this should have been one. the final. I don't know if it would have been... Should have been the final, but it it, it feels like... There's an argument to say there could have been... It could have been, but uh, yeah. that's not how March Madness works. I wouldn't have thought no. that Memento would have gone out in the first round, so... Ah, it's a shit uh, you know. It doesn't make any sense. Too many yeah. plot holes. No, it doesn't. It's shit. <laughs> So, uh, where do you want to start with this? Are we going to talk about Dark Knight, Prestige? What do you feel like? That's a funny two to come up against each other, I think. It is. I think, let's go with Dark Knight. Uh, just as I say, it's how the March Madness works. Dark Knight was the number one seed. Um, can't remember if we talked about this before, but I feel like there's a reason that it's the number one seed. Uh, and this is going to sound like I'm complaining about it from the get-go i'm not this is just the reason one of the reasons i think it's a it is such so highly seeded is um the way that it infected the zeitgeist at the time and still affects people to this day and this is going to make me sound like a snob and i don't mean it to i just don't know a better way to word it but it's a great film for people who aren't super into film so, you know, we've spoken about people like Tarkovsky before on here. Like, we can get really, really pretentious with how much we like film. But I think Dark Knight is a really, really great film for people who don't watch that level of pretentious uh, cinema. It's really, really well made, but it's also super accessible, which is, I think, probably where Noland, one of the reasons why Noland is, I think we said this before, Noland is so successful because he makes like really intelligent really well made really good films that are super accessible um yeah. and i think dark knight is one of the best for it it's a superhero film uh but doesn't feel like a superhero film it stands head and shoulders above most superhero films uh and i think it ushered in an era of um uh f- like superhero films like the dc have been trying to replicate with their dceu they try to make everything grounded they try to make everything gritty and dark but but they miss everything that makes a gritty dark film good whereas i think this absolutely hits the nail on the head um and you know sorry go on you were about to say something i could see go on well i was about to say i was like I, so two things one is yeah i agree that this is like a this is a great film for someone to watch if they're for getting into film. I think maybe don't lead with the more like philosophical side of it and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but that's Nolan in a nutshell, isn't it? I think all these films are kind of on that level of being pretty intelligent, great filmmaking, and then also uh, being ex- extremely accessible. That's what's made him one of the most successful. Um, I do think The Dark Knight as well obviously has that thing with it being a superhero film as well. There's a, there is a level of accessibility there. And um, but like you're saying with the DC, I think the one thing they actually miss from what 
the DCU looks like now is the grounded part. And I think that comes down to a little bit partly to the need to the this the, the need to have everything as like a grant like with grandeur and the multiverse stuff that superhero films are just all trying to do nowadays. Um but also because I think Nolan obviously has a keen eye for like he doesn't he wants to limit the use of CGI in his films, whereas I think a lot of modern blockbusters lean too much on it. Um, and that's kind of what makes these Dark Knight films quite um, unique in comparison to the rest of the supermarket, uh, supermarket, superhero. Um, <laughs> I love I love my Tesco. I love my Sainsbury's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the rest of the superhero genre. But I think uh, Dark Knight does stand above. It's something we actually said in the last podcast was that the part of the reason that Batman Begins didn't go through was that uh, everything that's achieved in Batman Begins is achieved like twice over in Dark Knight. And I think it's, it's got, it's that like, it's such a great sequel. Um, but as a singular film on its own, it can be watched and it's brilliant. And one thing I noticed when I rewatched it actually a few weeks ago, um, cause I mean, I've seen it plenty of times who hasn't, but I had to kind of rewatch it just so I could, um, kind of get prepared a little bit for these hard matchups. Um, I think, there's so much levity in every single scene. It's not even like it just be simple exposition scenes between two people talking, but the score and the way it's shot, it just makes everything feel like so important as well. Um, and I, I think that's kind of actually on its own because I don't think he does that in Batman Begins. I don't think they do that in Dark Knight Rises. And I think that's a very singular thing about uh, Dark Knight, to be honest. It, it is brilliant and it's set a foundation. It's become iconic for a lot of reasons. Um, Heath Ledger being one of them, obviously. But um, no, it's a very it's a special film in terms of you know what foundation it's set, and also kind of like the longevity it has in terms of how it stands up against the oversaturation of superhero films as well. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying there because uh, one thing I was going to say about why I think Dark Knight succeeds a lot too is jumping from what you're saying about Dark Knight having that gravity that a lot of other films um, don't have. And I think, again, comparing it to um, uh, Batman Begins, Batman Begins finale and like sort of final act, I think feels more normal superhero what we're used to now where there's big yeah. smashy crashy things going on and the train flying into um uh, the middle of the city and stuff like that oh, uh, it's not a train what is it it's a um I can't remember the word that it uses. Monorail or monorail, train, that's the word I'm right, looking for. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it is still a technically train, but it's the monorail. Yeah, it's, just, it's, it's a know, train. Fuck them. <laughs> smashing, yeah. <laughs> smashing into the middle of the building stuff. That feels like, which is what I was going to say is that's how superhero films feel now. There's always a massive fight that half the city gets leveled or something in every superhero yeah. film. Uh, and one of the reasons I don't think they work as well because the dark knight the ending of it isn't about a big massive fight it's kind of centering around uh batman having to make the choice between uh harvey dent and rachel uh and i know there's more stuff that comes after that but that's sort of quite a big integral moment to the finale that i think makes it elevated above the others because the ending isn't about let's have a cool fight scene it's um really rooted in character and 
the sort of difficult decision making that um uh, bruce wayne as a character has to go through which again i think although you know we're not the biggest fans of uh dark knight rises it didn't even get included in this list i think you you have this sort of interesting way of where he has to make all these decisions throughout um and sort of the final one being for himself rather than for people around him i think it's a really really interesting yeah. journey but that's not so much dark knight itself but i don't know do, do you see do you see where i'm sort of going with that um does that make yeah, sense in your head so obviously you're right like that sort of thing where he has to choose between well it's the sort the thing where between harvey dent and rachel where they're obviously going scammer into they've got batman goes to one place the police try and get to the other place um it's kind of just the film as a whole is just so much better at being like more thematically like charged like and we, 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 I think we briefly mentioned, I think you briefly mentioned in the last podcast that you said that like Aronette Carter's um, Harvey Dent is great in the film and Harvey Dent stands for a lot of stuff. It's it's amazing to me actually on the rewatch because uh, Harvey Dent is, um, he's almost like a tool in the film. Like he's, he's used as like a device for the, uh, for like Batman's, um, Batman's uh, like struggle with the sort of morality thing and this thing that Joker's trying to bring out of Batman is that uh, side of Gotham that, you know, basically humans just aren't good. And then obviously the ending with the two boats and it's like which one's going to kaboom themselves or kaboom the other boat. Um, it's really well-rounded. And I think everything after that where obviously he becomes Two-Face and stuff like that is even, is like, it's just so well-ingrained in the film itself still like i think when there's like two villains going on because he's not really a villain in this but um when there's two things like that where you've got two separate pretty important people that batman then needs to focus on i think Mm. it's so well done it's so like and i think again you said in the last one it's so well paced this entire film um and i think even when you've got that intersection that big moment where like you've got the joker side and then you've got the two-faced side i think it all just comes together so cohesively and you, how many times do we watch big blockbusters and they just become so fucking muddled? Um, and I just think this is like kind of the perfect way to do it, really. And yeah. uh, like, it's like, I mean, the stuff with Joker, the, just the entire like thematic sort of thing of the film with Joker and stuff is brilliant. Definitely. And, you know, just one last thing on that as well. I was just thinking, just specifically, even within, you know, I compared um the uh the ending of uh, batman begins to dark knight in, in even dark knight rises that one of the reasons i don't think it works is because it doesn't have that same sense of groundedness like the idea that a city would send its entire police force into the underground and then them being able to get trapped there is just yeah, it doesn't silly. feel real it feels like something that might happen in the dceu film now which is one of the reasons we would criticize it because it doesn't feel like a real thing that would happen i don't really yeah. think there's anything in dark knight that would push the boundaries of like well that's just not you know i've never watched it and gone well that wouldn't happen would it? i mean the closest thing i guess is yeah. what happens to harvey dent but even then it's like it doesn't push it to the point of um uh you know like having to suspend your disbelief beyond everything no, else I you've mean, seen. this is the thing with it isn't it it's that dark knight is very grounded in the world that it's set in it's not you know we're not saying that every day we expect to see people dressed as clowns trying to blow stuff up 
But what we're mm-hmm. saying is, especially with that Harvey Dent thing, where he's like, obviously the side of his face gets all burnt off, becomes Two-Face. I mean, the reason in the film that he becomes Two-Face is that he's tied to a chair, he falls to the ground in order to try and break free. Um, uh, and then obviously the oil is like dripping onto his face. That's mm. still pretty grounded in terms of like where we're at with this film. I think um, everything's done really well. Um, and yeah, I think Dark Knight Rises loses it a little bit, and I don't think Batman Begins, although I think partly as well, Batman Begins is quite a smaller, like testier film. You know, like it's it, it it there was more for Batman Begins to achieve in terms of like getting new audiences in or getting people into the theater. But Dark Knight Rises, uh, sorry, Dark Knight just does everything pretty much uh, better than Batman Begins. Definitely. I agree. I agree. Now we've been uh, talking about Batman begin. Uh, Batman begins. Dark Knight for a while. What was wrong with that? We both just stumbled over that. It's, oh, for some reason. It's, just, it's too many of them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kill them all. Get rid of them all. Bin them all. Um, <laughs> so we've spoken about Dark Knight for quite a while. Let's talk about what it's up against. The Prestige. Um, you know, we spoke about these films quite a lot before. So I feel like let's not rehash anything that we've kind of spoken about before one thing that i was thinking about and this is a a thought that i had since the last podcast with the prestige is uh how the prestige you know we're talking about the dark knight and you know um, a lot of nolan's films being these great big entertaining blockbusters but really really well made and i don't know if prestige gets enough um uh mention for how well it does that that in the sense that uh you know i spoke about before about how it's structured like a magic trick but it also treats like i feel like when you're watching the film you're treating it like a magic trick that like you you're watching it aware of all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes but you buy in hook line and sinker and like you might be looking for what's what the trick is you're looking for what's going on behind the scenes to figure out you know where the twists and turns are going to go but i think it's so good at making you buy in and stop thinking about that and kind of like you, you know how like when you watch a magic trick you you kind of want to be fooled like you want to mm. be tricked you're not going in going all right i'm going to watch exactly how he does this and even if you do half the time you forget because of the showmanship behind it and i think the prestige does that so well um yeah you know and and i think that's what makes a rewatch so good is because you can you've watched it that first time and you can you know on the rewatch you don't have to uh, you you don't have to buy into everything to sort of the showmanship of it. You can sit down and watch the technicality of how every element is put together and how clever that that is too. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's such a fantastically enjoyable film as well as being so well made that I I don't know. I, as I say, I think some sometimes people just forget those elements of of the prestige too. Yeah, of course. I mean, we spoke about it a little bit last time, saying that like on the rewatch, it's actually almost as impressive as the first time you watch it. Um, it's interesting when you compare the two because I think you've both actually got two of Nolan's like tightest, tightest, tightly written scripts. Like uh, Prestige is brilliant. Like it, it's full of like mystery and stuff like that, but it's also really well balanced in terms of 
the sort of again coming back to that thing with the magic trick it's just like how much do you tell how much do you show and stuff like that and it's brilliant whereas dark knight rises on a different side of things is such a tightly written blockbuster it's it's quite an interesting comparison but um interesting like in terms of like comparing the two then because I, in my head, I'm like I actually because th- I think Prestige has the more impressive writing aspect. Because I think, um, like I just said, I think the I think the magic trick thing it comes from initially from a writing aspect. But don't get me wrong, I think the filmmaking as well. Nolan's very good at all that, and uh, it kind of as you're on the rewatch as well, you kind of realise that he kind of shows us things like in our face but obviously we're not expecting it initially until you obviously reach that end and then so i think that making that sort of um rewatchability to it's pretty impressive as well uh i don't think dark knight has or needs the sort of mystery of uh, a script like prestige but i certainly think i mean just it must as well come from the writing just how well stuff like that opening scene with the joker uh, when yeah. we're introduced to Joker, I think that's just absolutely flawless. And don't get me wrong, Dark Knight does suffer a little bit from like it is a blockbuster after all, and I think it kind of can suffer literally in like t- the tiniest increments of being a bit sort of like throwaway dialogue every so often. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting discussion because they are two quite different films from a filmmaker who actually does you can like spot his films for a mile away it's weird that they both scream nolan but they're very different yeah definitely no and it's interesting as well because uh you know you, it's diff- they're difficult films to compare like you can tell they're made by the same person and they're both very very intelligent but i think a lot of where nolan succeeds is things like um spectacular action sequences that you don't get in prestige so it's like you you know we've got to compare these films in some way to to figure out what we think is better so it's like in my head i i'm putting up against what what are the best scenes the ones i think the ones that you can compare are things that revolve around dialogue and tension um yeah so there's two scenes to jump to mind both that have joker in there's the one where joker sat around with all the uh their crime lords or mob bosses or something like that yeah. The, the pencil scene where he makes the pencil disappear, which is funny, you know, he makes the whole magic trick thing. Uh, just a funny little sort of comparing that to prestige, but also uh, the scene between Joker and Batman in which Batman's interrogating him. Um, I think they're both both sort of like, I feel like I you can compare those better to the things that happen in prestige. But yeah. then again, a lot of what prestige works isn't necessarily specific uh, scenes of tension it's like the reveal of information so everything yeah. surrounding nikola tesla i think is so interesting and the way that like something as simple as the way it kind of just shows you the field of hats uh mm. after you sort of testing the machine stuff like that i just think is is simply done but masterfully executed um yeah. kind of like the ending too like you know when you had when it's just a conversation between Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale, but the kind of flashing back to everything to make everything make sense, to make all the puzzle pieces fit together, is just so well done. Um, oh, it's so hard to compare these two films because they are drastically different 
They are drastically yeah, well, different I mean, films. It's like you just said, one's a puzzle, and I think actually Dark Knight is like a very like race six time kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Like Batman is constantly chasing that. Uh, and I guess that is, in a way is more sort of formulaic um, in terms of how it, uh, how you tell tell a story because i mean films like star wars and stuff like that have been doing that for ages but the only difference is i think dark knight does it the entire way through whereas films like that have like a lot of lulls lull moments um is there anything that you would because i feel like these both films are great both are quite different more Mm. specifically is there anything even if it's like the slightest hindrance is there anything that you would um Anything that kind of grates you a little bit about Dark Knight or Prestige? Do you know what's interesting is that, like, in my head, I'm thinking what are the highest highs and what are the lowest lows? Because I think yeah. that's a good way. That's kind of, we kind of did that when we did Interstellar versus Batman Begins. Um, yeah. And I think they both have, I mean, that they have specific things that I think, you know, when you get nitpicky, but I think something they both suffer from, and this is just Nolan across the board, is the writing of its female characters. Yeah, it, definitely, yeah. I don't think you need to include incredibly strong female characters in every single film, but these are two films in which you could... I don't e- Easy is probably the wrong word, but having a strong female character, specifically Rachel and whatever ScarJo's character is called in Prestige, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember her name. Uh, I have it here. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Olivia. So Olivia and Rachel, yeah. I think, are two characters that you could have fleshed out and written much better um, uh, to... Yeah, and that I think both films would probably be improved upon if the characters were written better. Um, yeah. The only thing, I guess, slightly in the prestige is that in the prestigious favor is she's treated like shit and you know she's treated like shit like it actively addresses the fact that the person who's treating her like shit is a piece of shit for doing it um and that's an interesting discussion not saying that rachel in in dark knight is treated like shit but like her character isn't uh given the respect i think it it kind of deserves uh and the film doesn't do anything to address that but uh i it, it, on the flip side, I think potentially Rachel's given more to do and more to deal with in Dark yeah, Knight. I would, yeah, I agree with that as well. I think you are right. I think probably both could... Uh, they are essentially just the two characters. They become sort of romantic entanglements no matter how much like depth... That's quite, uh, air quotes there. ...is supposedly yeah. given to them. Like, Ra- Rachel's meant to be this like legal powerhouse who works under Harvey Dent, but in... Most of her stuff is to do with her being with Harvey, with Bam, and it's a re- it's a nice dynamic. Don't get me wrong, with like her wanting to be with Harvey, who stands for the uh, sort of good in um, Gotham without a mask, and then obviously having this history with Bruce and stuff like that, who hides behind a mask. I think it kind of works thematically; it works really well. But and you're right, Olivia. At least they address the fact that um, I tell you, I tell you one thing about Prestige, but I'm. This is the most throwaway thing, and I think I'm being <laughs> super nitpicky here. So I think Hugh Jackman is fantastic. When he plays his double, do you I mean, think it's... Uh, do you mean Christian Bale? Christian Bale's the one that has a... No, 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 no. You know when Hugh Jackman... Oh, sorry, sorry. Yes, yeah, no, no, I yeah. ...finds a drunk actor to play his double. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never really liked that. <laughs> I don't know, you know why. I just I always thought it was a side of Hugh Jackman that's more like greatest showman to Hugh Jackman. I mean, the guy is one of the best working. Don't get me wrong, I love him. But that particular slice of the film, I still love because it still goes with all the film and like this is his thing of trying to make this trick work. But that actual performance of the drunk guy, I don't know why I don't particularly like it, but that is such like a throwaway thing, honestly. That's like nothing. <laughs> Do you think you are ready to vote? Maybe. Maybe. I've been I've literally been swaying back and forth both times. Like I've I've started a line of of, of thought. I've started a monologue and then ended on a different conclusion of where I originally started. That's how that's much fair. like that's how paper thin the difference is between these for me. I I don't know. Are you ready? <laughs> I think just I'm still trying to work out my logic for actually picking it though, if I'm honest, because both to me are very equal in like quality. Um, okay, I think I yes, I think I'm gonna go for it. I think go I'm, well, I'm not going for it, but I'm ready. Are you ready for you me, me to go, go first? for it? You can go first. I have made a decision. You go first if you're ready to okay. go. I'm going to go Dark Knight by like a hair. <laughs> maybe because, maybe personal preference, the last few uh, like ends of that conversation, which way we lean towards stuff, what you prefer. And it kind of goes back to not levity, gravity. Um, <laughs> of like sort of how every single like inch of dark knight is given that gravity and i think as a blockbuster goes that's exactly what you you need to be like so involved with a film like this and i just think from start to finish it pretty much never lets up it never gives you a respite it never ha- and to me it doesn't really have any lull moments prestige is also doesn't really have any lull moments. But again, I don't know if it's come down to slight personal preference or the fact that I think maybe not that Prestige needs the same amount of gravity as Dark Knight, but maybe lacks the consistent enthrallingness, if that's a word, if that makes sense. Mm. Uh, Maybe for me, it does lack that. Um, Literally ever so slightly, there's probably one or two things in there that the sort of... um, my engagement might slip, but they're both pretty fucking great. So it was really tough. Yeah. But yeah, I go Dark Knight just just a smidge. Okay, that's annoying because I was going to go the Prestige. Um, mm. It's interesting you say that. You know, just I'll give my reasons for picking Prestige in a second. But it's interesting that you say that you chose Dark Knight because you found it more enthralling throughout than the Prestige. Because that's one of the reasons I chose the prestige over the Dark Knight. Not in Just the sense of necessarily in, in, in enthrallingness, but in active engagement. Like I think the Dark yeah. Knight is so good, but also very enjoyable. The prestige made me think a lot more. I was actively yeah. engaging and actively thinking throughout. Where's this going to go? Like I said earlier, but you do buy into it. You're like, oh, where's this going to go? But you just enjoy the the film that's in front of you too. I think the more reason, and this is going to sound a little bit repetitive because I said this before as well when um, Prestige went up against Memento. I think it's a more interesting character study. I think it's better written. 
uh, and I think yeah. it's a more interesting character study of um, obsession about the depths you'll go to to achieve something, the people you'll step on in the way. Um, and I think, although I think the Joker is probably better, well not probably, it is a bit the best performance in any Nolan film, I think. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. It's no, the best no. performance in any Nolan film. I still think the performances in this are really, really great. And it's interesting, these films both have Christian Bale. We haven't even touched on that yet. But I think yeah. Christian Bale as Batman and Bruce Wayne May, this might be an age thing in the sense that I've heard people talk about the two sides of Bruce Wayne. And, you know, you're talking about earlier about him wearing a mask and stuff that I don't know if I feel the sort of, um, the disparity between the two as much as I may be used to. And I think something like prestige yeah. does, does a slightly, do I want to say better or more interesting? These aren't the words I'm looking for, but does for me, maybe a slightly better job of uh, sort of plumbing the depths of depravity in humanity. Um, Because it's interesting, you know, the more we talk about it, the more I realize there's a lot of thematic comparisons between the two in that the joke is trying to pull it out of Batman, but these two are inadvertently pulling out of each other. Yeah, very true, very true, yeah and Christian Bale, they're pulling it out of each other. And I think potentially, do you know what? I've just thought of this. Another thing potentially for me personally for Prestige is I think potentially I find that more interesting as a character study and sort of narrative of these two that both think they're trying to do the right thing, pulling out of each other. Whereas in The Dark Knight, it's just the Joker trying to put out a Batman and Batman stopping him. I think that's a slightly more conventional superhero trope. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I yeah, think this yeah. is slightly more interesting that these two are basically, it's basically just two villains going at each yeah, other. Well, to be fair, I absolutely uh, agree with you that I actually preferred that side of Prestige more. I yeah. think it's much more, in, it's much more interesting to watch two people who may start out as uh relatively good people not great neither bad nor good and they actually pull it out of each other obviously the dark knight on a different level is more superhero-y it's probably yeah. the best um sort of hero versus villain dynamic obviously but batman oh, versus yeah. joker has, has been in multiple uh, uh mediums um but i would agree with you there but i do think there is more on the outside, maybe again, could just be personal preference for me. Probably just yeah. Dark Knight still just edges it for me. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, well, unfortunately, we have to go to critical consensus, and I don't think it's going to be any surprise that the Dark Knight wins there. Um, yeah, it is what the twelfth highest rated film on IMDb. Uh, so that is would that- mean the Dark Knight goes. So, so there's no chance of me being able to convince you into prestige at all, is there? No, you, like, not. your decisions made. Okay, oh, my right. decisions made. Uh, yeah, I should say before we go on, by the way, that me saying something about the Dark Knight being like it's more, it's got this more superhero thing. I'm not saying that's necessarily a negative on the Dark Knight. It's just that it, I guess it's just a trope of the type of film it is, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, like me it wrong, would I- be weird. It would be weird if the Prestige had a, a, a car chase flipping scene in it. It doesn't have that. The Dark Knight does actually, because I think. 
if Prestige had are, that. Are you going to say the Prestige <laughs> had randomly, that? If the Prestige had that, but just completely out of context, this I would this wouldn't even need to be a tournament. Prestige would take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just it's just <laughs> six hours of me and you talking about why the Prestige is so good. Yeah. Um, um, or just that one yeah. chase scene of Prestige. I'm well aware that me picking Dark Knight is quite a beige answer, but I've rewatched yeah. both quite recently, and I do think Dark Knight just edges it. That's fair. Uh, we'll just have to agree to disagree and leave it up to the the general con- critical consensus uh, on Dark Knight. Uh, on yeah, Dark Knight being better than Prestige, right? So the second matchup of our semi final, yes, Inception versus Interstellar. Um, mm. his two big sci-fi films. I know that he's other other sci-fi films, but his two best sci-fi films. Um, yeah. Would you? I know that the Dark Knight made more, or just a sort of his Batman trilogy made more money. But would you argue that these two were his sort of Inception being his sort of big first standalone success, and Interstellar being his until this to that date his biggest critical success would that be I, yeah fair well, to be fair say? yeah yeah i think if you take dark knight and stuff out of the equation with all that like preconceived stuff of it being a batman film i think inception stands as his like i said this in the last podcast it probably stands as his most accessible like first like most yeah. accessible like blockbustery film that isn't a batman film and i agree probably interstellar i mean uh when it came out people were Absolutely reveling in it, weren't they? Um, <laughs> but yeah, people I mean, couldn't I'm, get enough too, of it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I so yeah, I probably agree with that. Um, I actually don't. How how did uh, Interstellar do financially? I imagine well because it's an Nolan film. But seven hundred and fifteen million. Oh, is that it? Shit. <laughs> and then Inception <laughs> did eight hundred and thirty-seven million. So yeah. Which makes sense. And they had yeah. very similar budgets, but not quite the same. Interstellar had 165 and then Inception had 160. Yeah. Um, Mental. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because, you know, he's saying, but the reason we kind of take Dark Knight out of the occasion, people didn't go to watch uh, Dark Knight trilogy because it was a Nolan thing and they watched it because it was a Batman DC thing. No. People went to go and watch Inception because it was Nolan, I think. Or at least, yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, sorry. What I mean by that is, Inception was the film that made people go and watch a Nolan film. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's the film that people yeah. saw and went, "Who is this? Who is this person?" As yeah. a director, I, I would, I would guess, um, Inception won four Oscars and was nominated for four more, and Interstellar was nominated for five winning one it's so maybe maybe i got it wrong about the about the critical thing but well i mean um did interception win best inception interception uh interception did that win best cinematography i may be completely wrong i think no no it was cinematography sound editing sound mixing and visual effects and then uh, inception won that and then interstellar won for best visual effects which is it's interesting uh, right. that Inter- Inception won for best the, both the best sound ones because uh, Nolan gets dragged at the moment for his sound mixing that you can't understand a fucking word people are saying in some of his scenes. It's too fucking I'm loud. Looking at, I'm looking at you, <laughs> Tenor. I think I, t- I think I probably said this before. I think one of the reasons I probably said this when we were speaking about it 
I watched. I had to watch Tenet with subtitles. I know I don't have the best hearing in the world, but I I, I yeah, don't yeah. have awful hearing. But I had to watch it with subtitles because some scenes, the music was so fucking loud, I couldn't hear the dialogue. And it was like it was yeah. the, so. Is that specifically that bit in which Rob Patterson and uh, John David Washington are walking down a street talking about why they're going to this airport, and then they were in the airport, and I was like, I have no idea what the fuck's going on. I had to rewind like forty <laughs> minutes and then put the subtitles on because I was like. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. But Inception definitely has much better sound than yeah, I think it does. Uh, his I think newer films. It. Which is a shame that an older film has better sound mixing than newer ones. Yeah. You'd hope you would get I do actually do. I mean, Interste- Interstellar's also got great uh, sound in it as well. Um, mm. I, in my oh, head, although, to be fair, I'm kind of comparing it to like in you know, that weird thing that we said about Tenet being like where you couldn't hear them talk. I weirdly don't remember many scenes where Interstellar has like people talking with like a, uh, has people yeah, talking with like yeah uh, <laughs> has people talking with lots of like music behind it. Like it's quite balanced, or maybe I just don't remember. No, I, but I know I th- I think the start of it was probably something like Dunkirk. Because I remember Dunkirk, yes. having, yeah, I remember yeah. seeing it in cinema, it had very loud music. I don't, but Dunkirk doesn't have loads of dialogue. So I think he probably no, doesn't, got a no. pass for that. And you don't, you know what happens in Dunkirk. You don't need loads of context. So even, I maybe I even gl- like glazed over some dialogue because I didn't need to hear it because I kind of knew what was going on. Whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, Tenet, I, I think even after watching it, I don't really understand what was going on. But no, uh, but no I, I think, I think both Interstellar and Inception have great sound and and they also have phenomenal soundtracks you know i think we spoke about this before yes, they definitely inception do, yeah. has arguably the more sort of influential and iconic soundtrack in the sort of the that yeah. <laughs> is so yeah, yeah. influential but interstellar i i i i don't know it's i don't know if this is a hot take i think it's the best score and i don't i don't even think it's close personally i think inception has a great score but interstellar has a phenomenal score it's yeah it, yeah it does something that i i think inception has a really cool score but it doesn't have anything to do with what's going on if you know what i mean like it's really cool and really interesting whereas i feel like the interstellar score feels like it, it's entangled into the narrative yeah they're like there are interesting motifs and uh, tonally it feels like relative to what's going on and i think there's moments of sparsity in it where you have a score, but it's not really in your face that I think work really, really well. Like, you know, for example, when Matt McConaughey gets the message from his kids after all these years uh, and seeing them grow up, that isn't like a really intense in your face score moment. Um, and I think it works better personally. Uh, like, like the, I think it's called the cornfield chase, that piece of music yeah, you yeah, just yeah. Hear it everywhere nowadays. It's so beautiful but it makes sense in the scenes that it's in. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think Interstellar is, is better. I do. I think Inceptions is fun and it's a nice, like, uh, it's a nice backdrop to put some of the more like, elevated spectacle scenes of Inception. Uh, but in the more, like, quieter scenes and stuff like that, it doesn't really affect no. me that much. Um, Interstellar's music is fantastic. Uh, like you said, it feels very entangled in the narrative and stuff like that, especially. And look, I've rewatched Interstellar since our last podcast because I feel like in our last podcast I I feel like I needed a refresher. <laughs> and I'm going to cuz I said I 
think it lacks character. While I do still think it lacks character in the sense that it comes... Sorry, this is Interstellar. I said in the last one, I think it lacks character in terms of like sort of that emotional gravity instead of like, instead of, I just thought it was all spectacle. I've gone back, I've rewatched it. I disagree with myself. Uh, I do think the first two thirds of the movie have some really, really great stuff. I still think it leans quite heavily into melodramatic, but I just want to correct myself in saying that I think a lot of the stuff at the start with him and Murph is fantastic. And I do, like you said uh, in the previous one, and just now with the uh, scene where he's watching his kids grow up, that's a really tough scene to watch. Uh, I think it's brilliant. I do. I mean, more so on the sort of romantic love talk is very melodramatic and a bit shit, in my opinion. But the actual (laughs) father-son stuff is really great. Uh, So I just wanted to correct myself there. I wanted to level myself out there because I've rewatched it since. Yeah. I think I even said at the time, I think I might have even disagreed with you at the time because I think outside, I, I've, you know, I, I've been pretty transparent in the fact that I think Prestige is the best written character piece for yeah. throughout Nolan's history. I think Interstellar, the first two thirds, is pretty close second. It's a shame about the last third, <laughs> as I say every time. Um, but I, I do think it, it's really interestingly written characters. Um, I think something as simple as the setup of leaving your kids to for the betterment of humanity, I think is such a great um, mine for uh, character drama and character emotion. Yeah. Because it is important what he's doing, but you are... Sacri- I mean, you get that in loads of films. You get this, do you sacrifice this personal relationship or the betterment of others around you. And that is, I don't ever think there's a right or wrong answer for that. Like if, in, yeah, yeah. not there'd be much of a film, but if he decided not to go on the journey and they stay on earth and everyone on earth dies, it's a terrible tragedy. But from his point of view, from Matt McConaughey's point of view, you can understand why would you want to leave yeah, your course, kids? Yeah. You know, you're leaving your kids to die, essentially. He thinks he's coming back, but he knows that there's a chance that he may never see his kids again. And they're not old and they don't have their mother. And like, there's all these things that make it a difficult decision, but he decides to go for this one. And I do think if there's one thing I like about the third act, I do think having Murph understand uh, Matt McConaughey's, I should call it by his character name, Cooper. Yeah. By having Murph understand Cooper's journey at the end, I think is a good choice. Everything that leads into that and like the whole like spherical uh thing she creates, I don't like. But I, I, I think it's really interesting by having her as an old woman understand and uh and forgive essentially. I can't remember if she says the words like I forgive you, but there is definitely a level of understanding between them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, that I think maybe it might have been sort of more impactful if he sees her and she didn't forgive him, says, you know, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. Go with this woman you love. One, one thing but that I makes think me laugh emotionally satisfying. Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that did make me laugh on the rewatch is that, and I, I get it, I do get it. Based, uh, He's obviously got this like really good connection with his daughter, and then lack of when he's like that's the, that's the relationship you're focusing on. And his son, <laughs> who it's kind of just like, oh yeah, he'll be okay. He's just going to become a father, and it's, <laughs> he's not really, he's not really like doesn't really <laughs> doesn't really care yeah. about that. He just cares about Murph. Um, yeah, it's quite funny, but um, 
no the i i yeah i do go back on myself because i do think it's a lot uh it's a lot better than i give it credit for i think originally i think that was one takeaway yeah you know (laughs) it takes a big man to admit he's wrong you know yeah Um, you are a very big man i'm very large um, yes, monster. That's what I had. Absolute monster. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's my middle name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a, but to be fair, I mean, again, I don't think Inception is the most like grounded uh, place <laughs> for like a for like the characters and stuff. I do th- I do find the interest in it's more of like a like a tag on to the end or like tag on to the uh, main high concept story is that the further down they go in this dream thing, the closer he gets to maybe like being near his wife, which could be like, but like his vision of his wife who is just there to like mess things up. I think that's quite interesting. Maybe not as, uh, maybe doesn't go as deep as it probably could, but it certainly, it certainly does give you some interesting, gives you like interesting dynamics as you go further down these dream things and into these new places and stuff, which is quite good. Um, but yeah, I do think it's weird with this, interstellar versus inception weird because they are obviously similar in terms of like genre but where i felt with dark knight and prestige in terms of quality i find both of them quite level playing field whereas inception and interstellar there's things i pick out aspects where i'm like inception's better at this but interstellar is way better at this or interception's way better at this. like it's it's different they kind of like go go to uh yeah. go down the line yeah. well, sort of I'm- like fluctuating <laughs> Just as a like direct comparison, we were talking about character there for a little while about Interstellar. I don't think anything in Inception character-wise anywhere near as good as anything in Interstellar. That is honestly always been my biggest criticism of Inception, is I don't think the film is as anywhere near as good as writing its characters as it thinks it is. I think it's... No, no. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, again, I don't know if this is a hot take. I think it's a pretty shallow... The characters are pretty shallow. It's pretty surface-level stuff. Um, yeah, I, maybe uh, I, I don't mean, think there's depends. a whole lot going on. Like, it there's not a whole lot of nuance to everything that's happening. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's a whole lot of nuance to any of the characters. That it's all like, like DiCaprio's character is. I what is the nuance in the relationship between him and his wife? He says that he like says the words about like at, at the start. He's kind of like, oh, you know, why is he upset? And then you learn because his wife killed herself. Yeah, but is, isn't and, it more that he's upset because his wife killed herself because he forced her to go down to a place where that he considered a dreamland where she got stuck mentally. So when he brought her back, she couldn't handle it and she killed herself. That's the nuance of it. It's not him just I, being I scared of seeing his wife. It's about him scared of seeing his wife but also kind of scared of facing that thing that he basically did to his wife as well. It may not... like. I, I think being saying it's all shallow is pretty harsh there. Like, there is a little I, bit of nuance there. I, I agree with all the characters. Like, n- there's a lot of characters in Inception that are just nothing. And they are just yeah. there to either be humorous or something like that. Uh, but I think to say there's, it's shallow is a bit harsh. I mean, it's not, it's not amazing. It's I, not the deepest character thing I've ever seen, but... I don't know. I, I, I do get what you're saying, but like, I feel like the most of that is pretty surface. Did you don't really mine into that because you spend so much time uh, worrying about the complexity of the narrative. But this thing with the complexity you know of I mean? the narrative is just, it's not a particularly complex narrative. I think I said this in the last one. People were saying like, it's the most confusing film in the world. 
I'm like, you got it though. It, it's not at all. It's just people I, go into people's dreams and they go down a level, a level, a level. And I do agree. I think there's not as much like concept and character stuff are not as well weaved together. They're not at all. Uh, her, the stuff of his wife, like I said, feels very like tacked on to what the story is. Um, mm. I just had to kind of defend it, saying it's like super no, no, shallow. It's, fine, yeah. it's not. No, there's, I, a, there's a good, there's a really good dynamic in there. It may just doesn't explore it as well because it's too concept focused. It's interesting because I'm now going to challenge what you just said, which is that you, you know, you don't think it. I'm right saying you don't think it's complex because people are understanding it, like the narrative. Because mm, like no, I just I just don't think it's complex as the majority of people made it out to be. No, I, but I, for me, I do still think the, na- the narrative is really complex, but I think it's just not confusing. I don't think that a deeply complex narrative has to be confusing. It depends how you explain it to your audience. Tenor is a confusing narrative because it doesn't explain to the audience what's going on properly. You have that moment where the woman catches, uh, where, where John David Washington catches the bullet and she literally says, I don't know how it works. Inception doesn't have anything like that. It sits down and explains everything to you so that when you yeah. lead into the third act by having multiple layers going on at the same time, that you know, when when the the hallway is spinning, you understand what yeah, exactly yeah, what's yeah. going why, on. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all of that is very complex, but it just explains it to you in a way that is so it is easy to understand it's the wrong like you, you couldn't get a six year old to watch this film. It, it's in a way that's digestible and you don't have to watch the film multiple times to understand the narrative. But I still think it's a complex narrative. Um it's just not a it's not like as challenge you're right, it's not as challenging as everyone makes it out to be. Um no, yeah, I don't true. I don't know why people think it's more challenging than it is. I don't consider myself the most intelligent person in the world. I'm not a particularly intelligent person. I feel like I got it pretty like on the first go. Um it's got rewatchability though because it's so fun. Um and I like seeing well, the this, pieces come together. But it's this accessibility that we were talking about. If it was so confusing, I don't think people would have made it out it, to be it, this It made accessible. nearly a billion it's, dollars. It wouldn't yeah, have made that like, much money if it was confusing. It's a super rewatchable film, but not in a, oh, I need to rewatch that so I know what's going on. It's super rewatchable yeah, because Nolan's very good at making films that feel very rewatchable. So, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I'm, probably, I'm probably just, you know, uh, mouthing a lot of people who do think it is, but it's not. <laughs> no. You know, I just I disagree with that. But um, no. I, and, I, do you know what I said? I was going to say that I feel like this film has a lot more comparable elements to these two films. I should say, sorry, have a lot more comparable elements than Dark Knight and Prestige. And to be honest, quite a lot of the films that we've spoken about so far, because they have, excuse me, uh, because they have the same sort of they're quite sci-fi esque. I know that Interstellar is a lot more sort of sciency, and Inception's a lot more sort of high concept. I, I know that Interstellar's high concept too, but like. Interstellar is based in in actual scientific theories now, whereas Inception's based in like a cooler concept. But I think, like, it, you know, I said about the the hallway sequence and the spinning hallway sequence in Inception. I think uh, we've, you know, I've people have compared. I can't remember what, what film is it from. Like, is it the fifties that did a spinning hallway or a spinning room? Oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a musical. I can't remember though, the name of it, it, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I still don't think that that just because uh, Nolan has sort of taken visual cues from something else, I still don't because that's obviously yeah, a great scene. 
literally the, every director does that so exactly exactly like, yeah i just i just felt like i should preface that before i go and say because i think that's one of the most impressive uh sort of actiony sequence it's an action sequence because you have um joseph gordon levitt uh i think it's joseph yeah, yeah. gordon levitt Right, they're like yeah. trying to grab the gun and they're fighting and stuff. I think all of that is fucking so cool. Do you think anything in Interstellar matches that? Is better than that in terms of sort of actiony stuff? Because Interstellar has more has action, but not in the same kind of it's two people fighting way. You know, there's I guess yeah, there's a bit yeah, from that Damon, it's, but it's, it's less actual yeah, fighting, I'm, more action intention through tension of are the characters going to make it. Maybe, I, well, I think in terms of like the practical setup of it and how it looks on screen and how it goes uh, in terms of action is really impressive. There's one bit of Instellar I really, really like, which I thought I wasn't a massive fan of the first time I watched it, but again, I rewatched it. I think <laughs> the tension that is brought into that scene where he has to match the spin. Yeah, I was going to say the, that. Yeah. Uh, that's that so brilliant. Good. It's it's brilliant. I don't know how logical that is in terms of science. I don't know, but like. Um, uh, I don't really care because I don't care about yeah. science. I just was watching it and there's tension. It's super, it's super fun. It's really good. Um, different kind of like different scenes really, aren't they? But um, yeah, I think yeah, in no, terms I... of, if there's, if there's a particular scene that you're like visually impressed with, I think that one in yeah. particular as well, the way, the way Nolan puts all that together is very impressive as well. Because I feel like you can get lost because it is kind of just spinning debris that's all the same colour. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of have to... Yeah, yeah. He does really well to put that together and uh, actually make it a cohesive scene uh, that has actually got tension. And then obviously you understand where the characters are at in that scene as well. That's a brilliant scene. Yeah. Uh, it's really, really good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I uh, think the whole sequence is really good. That whole like going in... It's a shame because I think everything leading up to going into that black hole is a great sequence. It's so tense because to be honest you don't actually know where it's going because it up until no, yeah, that point, I think everything it does is grounded in uh, at least basic science that most people can understand. Like you kind of understand what's going on. And then it's like, we're going to go into a black hole. And I get that's the whole, like everything after it is the stuff that isn't based in science because you would just get ripped apart as you're heading into a black hole. But yeah. like, it's still like leading into it. I was like, where's this going? This is so interesting. And I still get it, still watching it. I'm like, obviously I know where it goes, but I'm still, I still think that scene is so good. But um, yeah, sorry, you were going to say something there. Well, my only follow on to that was going to be sort of the elephant in the room is after this rewatch, the thing I realized where (laughs) we've both said, obviously it goes off a cliff slightly in the third act. As soon as he sacrifices himself so that, uh, uh, Anne Hathaway's character can get away or something. I thought that was sh- not should have ended, but everything from that after that bit, because uh, even the sacrifice itself was fantastic. <laughs> I thought that whole thing yeah. was great. I think everything after that, I just think it, it kind of not not that it's like it completely like drops and it's completely terrible because it's not terrible. It's just the two thirds that we had before they seem to drop substantially in quality and it's almost like they got this close to the point where he sacrifices himself i understand this stuff with the being murph's ghost is still not a nice like thing to do with the character but it to me by the end it kind of felt like the bit where he sacrificed himself they were like right how do we get him out of this one yeah yeah <laughs> and then yeah, it kind exactly. of all yeah. unravels and you're kind of like this feels not as well thought out at all um which is such a shit like and not it maybe it's like it's not like a 
the film's good, but this section is bad. It's more like the film is great. This section kind of has a lot of problems, but is still okay, I guess. But yeah, yeah. That's, that was my stance. That's kind of the big one for me with Interstellar because I think so much of it is brilliant. But um, that's like the big bit for me that kind of... And we said, we sp- I know we spoke about it in the last podcast, but it is the thing that is the big thing, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's like, I've said this before, I have been a bit hyperbolic about it before. I do say it dropped off a cliff. That's just me being hyperbolic. I still think it's a decent film, but I think it goes yeah, yeah. from being some of the best sci-fi of the 21st maybe ever centuries uh to like eh, like whatever you know and you know what i i had a thought and i don't know how you feel about this i'm rewriting a nolan film i don't know why i would do this but would do you think it would be more interesting this is just a way me me thinking through a way that would have kept up the same quality i guess do you think it would have been more interesting to follow anne hathaway's character after he goes into the black hole and then I think yeah, uh, I think in it and, yes, and then it probably. jumps back to him and it's less time. He he then comes to her later on and then he recounts everything that happened to him. It's the same stuff. Like you can keep the narrative the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. But he recounts it and it's just less focused. Like it's him being yeah. like, I don't know what I saw. I don't know what I saw. You don't have how or whatever is it called how? Yeah. Uh no, yeah, that's you don't have um... how. I thought it was a reference to that. Hang on. Oh, is, is he called Hal because of 2000? I don't remember, to be honest. I don't know. Tars. I don't know where I got Hal from. Oh, I don't know why it's yeah, a reference yeah. to that. Anyway, you don't have Tars in the fifth dimension explaining what the fifth dimension is. You just have Matt McConaughey going, I think I was in a fifth dimension. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, mm. I don't know if that would, fi- I don't know. It's not going to like fix it because it's not going to fucking happen. Nolan can do what he wants. The guy makes a billion dollars. Um, <laughs> but like, I don't know. For me personally, I guess. Uh, it, it would it would make all that stuff I don't know more palatable I guess I don't know yeah but, well, but the problem is that's where the film is going isn't it because yeah. I mean we may not expect it but the whole film is leading up to that because that is how Murph said like, and I do get where you're coming from but I mean, I wouldn't want to rewrite one of his scripts. It'd be fucking terrifying. Um, but um, <laughs> I do. What the fuck uh, are you talking about? Yeah. shit. Um, yeah, I'll go yeah, tell I, him that I think every character he's ever written is shallow and there's no depth to anything ever and that he could have got a good performance out of yeah. you. I was uh, like, the, the thing is, the, 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 the thing with... <laughs> the thing with... Um, <laughs> the very ending, which yeah. is, I do think... Like, I just think that's so, like, the film is always constantly teetering on melodramatic. And then the bit, like, where he's just, like, hops in a jet and, like, goes to get his, <laughs> like, goes to get it. It's like, oh, come on. You're so, you're so much, like, more mature than that. You don't need to do that. It, it's, it's the, it's the, like, standing outside of a house with a boombox or running to the train station. To yeah, it's, the, it's, 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 it's just that. It's like, it's why just is this that. in the film? Yeah, it's just that, but on a bigger scale, when a spaceship. Yeah. Like that's literally what it is. It's just uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like kind of reminded me of the ending of Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's funny. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good comparison. Do you think you know we spoke about earlier about what like when we're picking hairs between Dark Knight and Prestige about the writing of its female characters? Do you think this improves upon that with Murph, Murph, and Anne Hathaway's characters? Yes, I think there's slight more of a. Yeah, I think she because she's. I think Murph is a decent character because she's obviously 
the way we see her when she's older, the way she is, the way she acts has all come from what's happened in the beginning of the film, which is really good because it's like solidified. We kind of know exactly the trajectory she's had as an adult. Uh, mm. And I do think Anne Hathaway's character is, again, slightly di- defined by her romantic entanglement. But it is within the confines of this, like, she's still a scientist and you get that through every time. Uh, so I do think he does improve. Um, it's better than kind of just being Olivia in The Prestige who just happens to sleep with both the uh, people. And then, you know, Rachel, who's meant to be uh, top law lawyer and it just becomes entangled between Bruce Wayne and thinking. So it's not, she, I, I do think it's a slightly better. And I have to say the inception obviously doesn't have that either. Uh, doesn't have many fleshed out female. Well, it doesn't really, like you said, doesn't have loads of fleshed out characters in general. Is there anyone other than Elliot Page's character? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess uh, I spoke, well, not really, because technically there'd just be Leonardo DiCaprio's wife, who isn't really a character because she's dead, but it's all flashback and uh, dream her. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. I guess oh, that would be very, it. But yeah, as well. Yeah. But she is yeah. just literally just, she is just like a, a manifestation of his own guilt and stuff so it's it's not really that fleshed out is she uh, no she, she she's just she's just it, it's like it's i don't know what the word the, i'm sure there's a term for it but you know how you have the manic pixie dream girl that is just there yeah, to yeah. fulfill all of the all of the male characters needs uh yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a dark version of that it's like the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl that it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, she's only there to serve for leonardo DiCaprio's sort of uh sadness yeah. <laughs> i think yeah. Uh, which is which is really really harsh to say. To be fair, I, I think, think she's, I'm not going to lie. Good, but... I'm not going to lie. I'll tell you now, just because it's a Nolan podcast and this is a bit of a tangent. The worst film at this is Oppenheimer, and oh, is it? it? Is. I'm just, I'm just, uh, and I, I, I get it. it it's it's a true story, but I'm just saying it now. All of these films look pretty decent in comparison. So, um, really, what did you give yeah. Oppenheimer in the end? Just have interest. Uh, I gave it a four. I think it's really good. And that is my one thing that it just wastes two of the best actresses working today. And I get you're trying to tell the story of Oppenheimer in the 40s. It was all men. I get it. But still, use them a bit better. Um, Yeah, sorry, that was tangent. Um, No, no, it's fine. You can tell stories from that age and and not treat the women like shit. Yeah, just um, it. Well, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it when you do get a chance to see it. But yeah, that was a big problem for me. I'm never going to watch Um, it, Corey. I've stopped (laughs) watching films. I'm only ever going to watch old films. I mean, talking about uh, Nolan, his his character stuff, Oppenheimer is obviously pretty character driven, which is great. So, yeah, uh, Yeah, I'm interested to watch it. I'm interested to watch it. But yeah, um, where are you? Is there anything else you want to talk about with Inception and Stella? I just gonna say I, I've just I've got uh, a few pages up for all the films here, and I've just read that apparently no Nolan described Mal, who is uh, DiCaprio's wife in yeah. Inception. Apparently, he describes Mal as the essence of the film for Tao. Mm. That's a bit I don't of a really understand. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. Uh, <laughs> apparently, he said that she can be strong and vulnerable and hopeful and heartbreaking all in the same moment, which was per- oh no, sorry, he's he's describing Marion. Uh, Cotillard's performance. She could be strong and I mean, yeah, she, I mean, she is great. That's correct. She is great. I thought he meant the character of Mal can be <laughs> yeah. all those things. No, she's great. No, no, she's, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, anyway, we have been rambling a little bit about these two. So let's yeah, pick sorry. between them. I don't know if I'm ready 
Hmm. Yeah, why don't you go? Why don't you go? Actually, no. I suppose that I'm you. You went first last time. I. Yeah. It's going to kill me a little bit in doing it. I think, but I'm going to say Inception. Uh, really? I think so. In my head. So, I'm so the reason we had this discussion about when we did Interstellar versus uh, Batman Begins. That yes. I don't think anything in Batman begins, even though Interstellar has lower lows, I don't think any, anything in Batman Begins reaches any of the heights of Interstellar. Not that oh, I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. not that I think Inception consistently reaches the heights of Interstellar, but I think it does phenomenal action sequences. I think that last third act, even though I'm not a big fan of the ending, I know that's a hundred percent a personal taste thing. I don't mind the ambiguity. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of feel like it was. I didn't. I personally wasn't satisfied, but that's not me criticizing how it's written and how it's constructed. Yeah, I yeah. think that fi- I think the f- the final act of Inception is incredibly well made, and just just you know, I, I've I've spoken about it multiple times. But having multiple action sequences in multiple layers of dreams, essentially working in different time frames, but understanding exactly what's going on, each one feels unique, and you know what's going on in all three. Of- uh, all at the yeah. same time i think is an achievement a really really big achievement and i think that's when nolan's at his best when he's thrown a bunch of exposition at you that's fun but maybe that's another thing i could potentially say that i didn't really say before it's that inception makes the exposition fun when yeah it does yeah uh when DiCaprio sat down talking to elliot page and he's talking about like how you construct the i can't remember the exact words he used but like making the city in the dream and he folds the city yeah. on and in itself he makes that fun and you know what he's talking about uh and i i wish it, you know for me if interstellar had kept up the things i like all the way through i i think i would be choosing interstellar here but i think inception is consistent all the way through uh and you know and there's a reason it had such a big impact on the culture and it still does to this day i know 2010 is is not that long ago in the sort of grand scheme of things but i still i think it infected our culture in a way that is still reverberating now um i don't know how do, how are you feeling about it i'm very surprised you just went inception if i'm honest uh <laughs> but uh i well i agree and for a second after this discussion there was a moment where i was actually gonna pick into stella uh because I rewatched it and I yeah. changed my mind about certain aspects. But the one thing I didn't change my mind about is the drop in quality from the third act and the ending as well, the fucking ending. Um, <laughs> I think if you are literally taking the films based on consistency, there's no way Inception doesn't beat Interstellar. But like I said, there are so many things about Interstellar that I think that it does better than Inception. But yeah. on its own inception, conce- like conceptually, all this I think is brilliant. I think as a complete package, it is brilliant. And I know maybe there's some. I, I think I've said this in the essential guide that I wrote, uh, wrote as well. I think people's opinions can sort of sway side to side of inception, but that's just because of the impact it's had on, like you said, the impact it's had on popular culture. In the it so was so spoken about when it came out, and it was for years mm. after that people probably are just a bit tired of hearing about it. But give yourself a chance to just go back and like experience it again because it is genuinely fun, yeah. one of the most 
original blockbusters that has ever been made. It's fantastic. And uh, yeah, I think purely based and basing this purely on consistency, I think uh, this, I think conception just takes it for me. Yeah, definitely. And it's, no, it's interesting what you were saying at the end there too, because I do think, I think people are, I have been critical of inception and I think people are critical of inception. It's cool to, to criticize inception now but just because you're critical of something, it doesn't mean that it's not good, <laughs> you know? No. Uh, uh, Interstellar's a prime example. I, I've praised and criticised very, very different aspects of the film, like in the same film. Um, but no, uh, I'm a little bit sad. I would I would love to have picked Interstellar, but, you know, I, I just, it's just not the better film, I don't think. Um, I, 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 you, again, I we are splitting con- hairs here, but... I was very um, convinced you were going to pick Interstellar there, so fair play. No, I mean, Rooney, I get it. If, it, if, Inter- if Interstellar ended with Matt McConaughey going in the black hole, it'd be a clean sweep, yeah. I think, for me. Honestly, oh, all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, it, if, that, if it was a two-hour film, <laughs> I, I, think, I think we could literally just be done and dusted. Uh, as long as it had a, uh, a car chase in which the car flips uh, in Victoria yeah, well, Every film needs a car chase. Yeah, as long as every it's, film, including it, the Prestige and, and Interstellar, as long as the Batman Interstellar, flips. Interstellar should have just had two spaceships, and one of them just like flips over and just defies all laws of space. <laughs> just like flips over on its back, and, the, and then Heath Ledger just flies by in his Joker mask <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, like, yeah. like 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 Tie Fighter or something, and it's like yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. that leads to our final, The Dark Knight and Inception, which. I have to be perfectly honest with you now. As much as uh, I'm happy that these are two great films, this is the most basic bitch. I know, literally. I was just thinking that as the (laughs) beigest fucking final of all time. I was really hoping something was going to make it. I was really hoping either Memento or Prestige was going to make it through. Um, Yeah. Mm. But... You know, it's it's really beige. To be honest, sometimes that's the. I mean, I think we had this conversation before when we, when you and I were doing the March Madness of best films since 1970, which was just a conversation. It wasn't recorded that we intend to do. Yeah, yeah. Godfather Part Two was in the finale, and it was kind of like it does feel a little bit beige having one of the Godfathers in the finale. But there's a reason why. Yeah, but what you're gonna do? Yeah, exactly. They're that good. You know, Dark Knight and Interstellar. Are like Interstellar, Inception. Are like, do you know what? I'm really glad that that is over because I I kept confusing Inception and Interstellar in my head. The names are way too similar. That's Nolan's biggest yeah, flaw. It's having those two names yeah. too similar. No, I'm kidding. Um, God, where do you start with these two? Um, I weird. I weirdly think with these two, they're actually tonally very similar in how he mm. makes the films. Um, both have an element of grandeur, both have an element of the blockbuster, which they are blockbusters, so obviously they do, but also have a level of sort of, what's the word? I wouldn't say it's like, because obviously Inception, you've got the concept, which is really great, and then like, which then the Dark Knight doesn't have, but then mm. uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't really know, I, I can't really put my finger on what it is that's very similar but it is that tonal thing of like everything has the sort of gravity that you expect from this kind of spectacle and blockbuster uh, filmmaking he does and i think these two are two of the most similar in that sense i think yeah. we got one end where it goes like tenet is almost too much it's like 
just like so much and then like you can't hear what obviously you can't hear what anyone's saying and it's a bit Tenet has been big. absolutely dragged in this podcast <laughs> oh mate just it really has isn't it terrible um, film no yeah. I'm kidding so I feel like we've spoken a lot about you know the technical aspects and stuff do you have personal experience of watching these films because I feel like all these films have kind of come out like when we've been growing up or uh, or as we've got a bit older, Interstellar, like we said, Interstellar came out when we were at uni. Um, do you have any like specific memories that give you nostalgia about these two, a certain level of nostalgia? Because, I mean, Inception was 13 years ago. Dark Knight was, whatever, 15 years ago. So I didn't know if you had any specific like nostalgia between the two. The closest thing I think I have is that I didn't like Inception the first time I watched it. I oh, was interesting. 15. And it wasn't the complexity and stuff. Maybe I was just being a hipster, but I just didn't like it. I just, I watched it and I was like, oh, whatever. And then yeah. I came back to it when we were at uni and I was like, oh no, it is good. Cause it was one of those things of like, uh, I was like 14, 15, whatever. And I was like, oh, I, I disregard most of my film watching uh, opinions before I was about 18. I just used to have weird, I used to, there's things that I used to watch that I didn't like. Uh, that now I love. Uh, I think we spoke about, yeah. I think Wally was one of them when we did the Pixar tournament. I spoke about yeah, how yeah. I couldn't stand Wally the first time I watched it. And now I love it. It's one of my favorite Pixar films. Um, I didn't really have much experience watching the dark Knight. My family was obsessed with the dark Knight, Uh, so I watched it a lot when I was young. So my first experiences with the dark Knight kind of blend all into one. Um, so I don't really have a distinct first experience with it. I remember seeing Interstellar. I didn't watch Interstellar in the cinema. I watched it on DVD. And again, I, I wasn't a fan of it, but came back to it later and, and appreciated it. You uh, mean Inception? Did I, what did I say? Interstellar. For fuck's sake. Yeah. yeah the fucking the Leo film. The tiny wimey the film. They are the, exactly the same, the same film. Um, what about you? Did yeah. you have any distinct experiences with it early on? I mean, I asked, I asked the question originally, but I don't think I did really. I mean, I was a fan of <laughs> basic, basically from the age of like, well, just up until the age of like 15, I pretty much hadn't watched any films other than like superhero films, Pixar films and Lord of the Rings. So I wasn't exactly um, well-educated in that arena. And I don't even think I'd watched Inception. Um, well, actually I wasn't 15 when it came out, so, uh, <laughs> probably watched Inception a couple of years after it came out and I liked it a lot. Um, but it's like a, just a, went before I was really into stuff, but as, as we got older and rewatched them, I think, I think it's weird, like Inception I appreciated first, I think, because the Dark Knight to me was just a part of the trilogy. Like I was just like, the Dark Knight mm. trilogy is great. It's all great. Blah, blah, blah. And then when I watched them specifically, realised that the Dark Knight is very special in out of those three films. Uh, so um, yeah, it's just you come to appreciate them later on. But in terms of comparing them, like I said, I think tonally they're pretty similar in like how he makes it and how it's very like blockbuster spectacle. I think it's very impressive both sides. Um, and then yeah. I pick out specific scenes that are my favourites, like like we said with the spinning. Uh, spinning hallway scene and stuff like that and the, obviously the very famous one with the building coming over and that uh, but also really like the the uh, CGI uh, sorry the uh, truck flipping over the non-CGI bit of that I think he's just got in both films he's got very very good uh, like visual eye 
to capture the grandeur of what he's like what the scene's supposed to be i think he's they're both yeah. fantastic at it um i think in a comparison though i think if it was going to come down to like i think we had well, we just spoke about the character side of inception uh we and then we praised dark knight quite heavily for it so that's an, uh probably a, a I, point i was gonna say that if, if yeah, yeah. If, if we're weighing it up like point by point, I probably there's a point to Dark Knight there because <laughs> the Batman versus uh, Joker thing and how Joker as a character is able to sort of like break down uh, Batman as a figure, as like an idea, as things like that, how he's trying to break down the entire city in that way, I think is really good. Uh, whereas obviously, like we said, Inception is a bit shallow in terms of uh, other characters. Um, well, I was going to say, that's well, the reason that's really. Yeah, that's what the reason I brought up the villain stuff because I know that you remember Heath Ledger's Joker because it's Joker. He's one of the most sort of um, famous villains of all time, not just because of this performance in the film, just in popular culture. He's so famous. Um, yeah, 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 of course. And, and potentially, yeah, again, that's one of the things that I think goes in Dark Knight's favor is uh, there isn't. I know that there's not a Joker style. This person is doing this terrible thing to our hero, but the the targets are so forgettable. Even Killian Murphy, I love Killian Murphy. His performance, I don't really remember. Even after watching the film no. only like a month ago, it's quite forgettable. Um, Again, it's it's kind of like that scene. Like there's what that really cool visual of him talking to Leonardo DiCaprio, and the whole room kind of like goes on a slant. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. dream thing. Like, but you don't remember Killian Murphy's character or his performance, do you? You remember the no. visuals side of it. That bit. That being said, though, I know that you said that the car flipping scene in Dark Knight is really cool, and it is really cool. Yeah. But I don't think anything is as interesting in Dark Knight as there is anything in Inception. I think Inception. No. Yeah. Fair pushes the boundaries a little bit more on visual storytelling yeah. uh, and yeah, just not even yeah. just storytelling just visuals in general just the way that it's done i think is very cool it looks great yeah yeah um if you take the, if you uh, take inception as like if you were just breaking it down as to two films that are just full of little sets action set pieces yeah i think inception wins that because it's there's so many great ones, isn't there? Like, I just, even like the expositional stuff, like we said, he's got such a good way of showing us that while telling us the exposition. Like, he's got a very good idea of the visual of it. Even like the paradox conversation is where they're walking upstairs is really cool mm. as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I just think, yeah, he's, he's, got, he's got a much more, it's almost, it's almost like he, when he's making, he's got such an excited uh, approach to it. Like, it, it's like, I can, you've got this really like uh, multi-leveled concept that will take a lot of explaining. Now I'm going to use the explanations to just create something like pretty wild. And I think it's really cool. Um, whereas obviously Dark Knight doesn't quite conceptually isn't, isn't as that demanding and probably doesn't have the same uh, visual impact. Definitely. Action, definitely. action impact, I would say actually. And it's interesting. I talked about, I spoke about earlier. You know, to, when we were comparing it to Prestige, the Dark Knight, you know, suffers a little bit from the middle film syndrome. I know that you don't put that against it, but even mm. in comparing Dark Knight to Inception, I think I prefer the ending of Dark Knight. Again, yeah, it's yeah. It, it. It's not that I I think that Inception has a worse ending. I'm just not a huge fan of it. I just don't really think it it, it was a satisfying end for me personally. Um, but I, I, what do you think? So I know that this is a, a weird thing to get hung up on, but you know, 
that he spins the top. Uh, yeah. And it sort of wiggles slightly. How much do you think actually, how much impact do you think that actually has on the ending? Because you see loads of people talking about it. Is it a dream? Is it not a dream? For me personally, one of the reasons I didn't really, I don't really like the ending is I don't think it matters. Like it's kind of irrelevant. That spinning top thing is no. kind of irrelevant. Um, that's kind of why I found it unsatisfying. I think, do you know what I mean? To me, I think the annoying part of it is because throughout the film, obviously, he's got this thing where he has dreams where he can see his kids, but he never actually sees their faces. And it's like this hump he has to overcome. And I feel like he, he obviously treats it as though like he needs to go back and see them in the flesh. But he, it's almost like he never even contemplates that as a dream, he could still see them as the, his, uh, with their faces. And it's like this mm. thing that he has to overcome. And I feel like I didn't particularly give a shit if he was in a dream or not. I think yeah. what's I, annoying, what's what's the most annoying thing about the ending is just the fucking thousands and millions of people going, "Oh my god, was it a dream? Was it not?" I know people but, still theorizing today. I saw a fucking yeah. TikTok about it the other day and saying that, "Oh well, every time he spins the top when he's wearing his wedding ring, it spins constantly, and um, or something like that, and that means that right. he was in a dream or something." But at the end, he doesn't have his wedding ring on, and he was, and I was like, "I, I'm, it's thirteen years gone." I don't yeah. care. Yeah. yeah, I quite like the ambiguity a little bit, and if it keeps yeah. people on their toes. But people discussing it is more fucking annoying than the actual ending. I totally agree. I totally agree. But also, I don't really. Leo's character doesn't care. Like they make that explicitly no. clear. He spins it, but doesn't look at what happens to yeah. it. So, yeah, I get that as a as a uh, a point. But I just, for me personally, why should I then care? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like if, if, yeah, I, if the character doesn't care, why should I care? Which I don't necessarily think has to be a bad thing. Just because we don't care what happens, like if it's sorry, not that we we'll care what happens. Just because we don't care if it's a dream or not, that doesn't mean we can't be invested in the ending. Yeah, but I don't feel yeah. very invested because I don't think there's anything else given. I I don't know. May, maybe I'm just looking at it a wrong way, but I feel like the little wiggle was supposed to cause all this. Um, discourse about like if it's a dream or if it's not and again i just i don't really care if it is or not i don't think that's what's relevant no, I, no. I, do, do, do you i might i might be misremembering it do you see the kids faces clearly at the end of inception no but he they turn to look at him so he he right. definitely can see so their he face knows. okay yeah so he knows that's why he kind of like looks and then they turn and then he runs outside yeah. Um, but yeah. I think the the Dark Knight ending is actually really well done. I mean, they kind of ruin yeah. that ending in Dark Knight Rises, but that's Dark Knight Rises' problem. Um, yeah, it's in that, like, <laughs> yeah, in that, like, the whole thing of you know Harvey Dent, what he stands for, and what Joker stands for. Well, that's you know what happened to Harvey Dent is exactly what Joker wanted to happen to the city, and Batman like sacrifices his own like heroism to be like, look. Um, and it's that whole thing of uh, he doesn't he won't be the hero that they want him to be. He'll be the hero that Gotham needs or something like that. It's it's yeah, a great yeah, ending. It's great, yeah, and it, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's great. Um, I think that's a great ending. No, I think uh, interesting, interesting question. It's a bit of a like <sighs> again. This is going to be like super nitpicky in terms of just in general who you prefer actor wise. What do you think has the best cast? I guess it comes down to what's the best performance because I think 
to me, both actually have are like hugely stacked in terms of like who's in them. Like, and I, I it's quite in, enjoyable watching films like on this grandeur where yeah. you've literally got like so many like A-listers who are just really great and like on top of their game. Um, I'm just wondering if there was any particular one you prefer. Yes, Dark Knight, because mm. I think it uses its cast better than Inception. Yeah, does. certainly. You yeah, think I about agree. How yeah. deep the cast of Inception is. DiCaprio, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Marion Cotillard. We've spoken about these. Tom, Tom Hardy, Killian Murphy, uh, all these people. It's a very deep cast. No one is that memorable. I know that Tom Hardy was kind of no, this was kind really. of a big breakout for him and stuff, but no one's that memorable. No one's really used. Like we say, I know that you know we had that sort of discussion earlier about the depth of Leo's character, but really no one else yeah. has anything else going on in that. No. Not saying that Dark Knight has the deepest characters ever written, but I feel like it uses its cast a lot better. And even something as simple as Gary Oldman, who is uh, um, James Gordon, who you know becomes Commissioner Gordon in this, he isn't given the most char- like character depth, but his performance, I think, has. Uh, is given like he's written enough so his performance can shine, you know. And yeah, I think it's, it's, yeah. it's hard to shine in a film like this when you have someone like Heath Ledger doing the best performance of. Do you mind? Doing the best performance of his career, um, one of the best villain performances of all time, arguably. Oh yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah. You know, it it's hard to shine in a film where someone's that good, but I still think people do. Um, yeah, I mean, I th- the thing is, it's kind of weird, actually. Sorry, go on. Well, as I was going to say, the thing is, I, I, I worded the question wrong because you, you kind of like which cast do you prefer? But it's basically the same fucking cast anyway, because no one just uses <laughs> the same fucking people. Uh, but you're right. In terms of performance, they are all of the actors are utilized better. Like I look, I think even if you compare two Michael Caine performances, it's kind of unfair because they are different. But Alfred is obviously the best the better one of the two. Um, mm. He has more to chew on. I mean, he, just, he is just very Michael Caine in both of them, but he is in every other film. I think the films have a bit of a reverse of themselves where I still think Christian Bale is really, really good as Batman in this, but I yeah. think he, everyone else is really good around him. Not that he's necessarily the weakest link, but like I feel like Inception has Leo and then everyone else is kind of there. And Christian Bale yeah. is there doing his thing, but everyone else around him, or most people around him, are given a lot more to chew on. You know, I said this in yeah. the last podcast. I think Aaron Eckhart isn't given enough credit for what he does as Harvey Dent. Uh, he's given quite a lot to chew on there. Even something, I mean, I know it's not the most impactful role in the world, but even more, uh, Morgan Freeman, I think, is really fun as Lucius Fox. And yeah you know it's given more than most people are given in inception i think even um no offense to kate holmes but replacing her with maggie gyllenhaal (laughs) for this film works because maggie gyllenhaal gets the little bit of added levity to her um in some of the scenes especially where her and harvey are obviously tied up and both about both about to die or whatever um i think she's really good in it uh from you know the very limited stuff she gets to do and then i just i think everything everyone is a bit better in it but you're right i think it is just leo up here and then the rest of the cast kind of beneath him who they all have their moments joseph gordon levitt's like a exposition machine in that film and uh, <laughs> um elliot page is pretty good um and like tom Hardy, obviously it's his breakout role and he was good very entertaining but didn't have much else 
to him apart yeah. from that. And Ken Watanabe is always a great fucking actor to watch. Oh um, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, I forget he's in it. I forget he's in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's always great to watch. I think he's great. But um, yeah, it's an interesting. Is he the true villain of Inception? Maybe. Because <laughs> he's the one who asks to take down Killian Murphy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Or get Killian Murphy to take down the company. He's, he's the definitely true not villain. a good guy. <laughs> I don't think anyone's really that good in this film, to be honest. No, not really. Uh, no. I think that's kind of interesting. But ah, uh, oh, right. I think we should. We've been talking for a while now. We should probably make a decision. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Let's make ha- a decision. Have you? Right. Are you ready to go back to you? So we. So we've yeah, all I can go all first if you want. Uh, I am picking oh. the Dark Knight. I am picking the Dark Knight. It is the basest answer, probably in this <laughs> entire tournament. But on a rewatch, I think I've just realised that it is spectacular. And uh, when you're comparing the two, they're actually really similar in tone. But there's so much more in terms of character and stuff that's going on in Dark Knight that I think is brilliant. Uh, whereas Inception is just like we've spoken about a little bit. Um, maybe it just lacks in a few departments that uh, Dark Knight otherwise thrives in, basically. So, yeah, it's Dark Knight, I think. Um I didn't, and to yeah. be honest, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I was surprised that uh, Inception made it all this way, um, but you know, no complaints. But Dark Knight for me. I'm going to go Dark Knight as well. Um, everything you said. However, I do also think alongside that, it's one of those things that, like, if you're comparing action and set piece and stuff, Inception's all there. But there's a reason why, you know, when we sit down and choose what we think is the best of these. There's a reason yeah, yeah. we omit, like when, when we do any form of these tournaments, when we're going to do the best tournament, you know, the 128 best films ever made, when we eventually get to it, one day, one of these days. One day. Um, when we do, when we don't include some really fun, entertaining films that have better set pieces and better action pieces than a lot of films on that list, because that's not necessarily what makes a film good per se it makes it entertaining but i think there's a difference there's always you know it's, it's the same thing difference between best and favorite there's a difference between yeah. well-made and uh i think i think the difference between these two inception is a is one of the best examples of spectacle blockbuster the dark mm. knight is one of the best examples examples of superhero genre spectacle genre and film in general so i think that's the thing i think dark knight is just all round like you can put it up there with the best of all its genres but also i think you can put it into a conversation of you know top top films ever made it may not reach we're obviously working on the top 100 probably won't make it into that who knows but um <laughs> That's a piece of shit in comparison uh, to those films. We're yeah, including Paddington too. Oh yeah, that's great. Uh, Inception is of the highest order of like its genre, but there are elements of it that don't make it one of the best films of all time, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, Dark Knight isn't hampered by the fact that it's a blockbuster, a superhero blockbuster. I think Inception yeah. is hampered by the fact that it's a blockbuster. Yeah, um, I agree. I it, agree. It, it, it forgoes those those deeper discussions and nuances to be a 100%. cool blockbuster. And I'm not. I don't think that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means it's probably not the better film in this case. There you go. We've done our Nolan tournament, and we decided Dark yeah. Knight is the best. Who would have guessed it? You know. Are you, you going to do a little like cheer, like a big celebration bit when you announce it like that? 
I'll do it I'm now. Play it over that. I'll play it over this. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. You'll That's hear good. it now. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be really lame. <laughs> so it. It's a little bit. I'm going to cut this bit out, but do, it's a little bit funny that our number one seed won. That is a little bit. I mean, yeah. Beige, I mean, but anyway. It doesn't matter. It's. Sometimes no, it's, it's just we, we like yeah we like doing these tournaments because they uh, sort of make interesting discussions. Sometimes the better the best films. Just all, we have also just sat down for nearly two hours and had discussions about them. So it's more mm-hmm. for us than anything. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't fucking care if anyone listens to this. I had a great time. I hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast today. Um, uh, we'd really appreciate you giving us a rating, review, and subscribing. It does really really help. Uh, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, all your podcasting platforms, we're on all of them at the Real Film Podcast. Um, share it with your friends and family. Show your nan. I'm sure she'd love to listen to us talk about Christopher <laughs> Nolan for four hours. Um, you can find Real oh, everywhere. We're everywhere. We're on realreviewing.com. We're at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Real Reviewing. We're on Tumblr at uh, Reviews from Real. Uh, I'm on not on the Twitter. Well, it's X now, isn't it? I'm on X as X. At Phil, Phil so will so. Where where are you at X? I hate saying that. Um, on X, I'm a uh, Cospejord. There you go. Um, apologies for the break in podcasting and reviews. We're going to get back on it soon. Uh, our next episode will be a review show and then you know we've got that we've got we've got months planned out of like we've got a structure have you had a look at the structure yet like have you had a look at the plans i have i've had a look at it it looks good it's gonna be the best six months of podcasting of your entire life yeah can't wait (laughs) uh (laughs) i hope to catch on the next one bye